Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 366 of the Columbia Calling podcast. Thank you to all of those of you out there who've uh, signed up and tuned in to the last couple of uh, podcast episodes we've had. Shauna Galuli on 364 and then Juan Jose Guzman on 365. They've been incredibly well listened to, incredibly good numbers. Of course, Shauna Galuli, academic from the United States, talking about Buenaventura or hashtag SOS Buenaventura on Colombia's Pacific Coast, a very problematic part of Colombia. And then Juan Jose Guzman talking about Pacto por el Clima from New York, but of course mobilizing the youth uh, of Latin America to be activists for climate change. Uh, this week's episode, 366, we'll be talking to the executive director, that's Angela Maria Carreño, of the uh, NGO Children Change Colombia. Now, of course, in the spirit of complete transparency, something that I will say a few times across this uh, this recording. I am a trustee for Children Change Colombia. This is an NGO uh, I trust in and, of course, have the utmost confidence in uh, the projects that they do across Colombia. Of course, I've known about the, uh, about the NGO since around 2007, and all that time ago, I did actually manage to visit a project in the Aguas Blancas area of Cali and was astounded by the work being done. So it's a real honor to have Angela Maria Carreño on the podcast talking to us from the United Kingdom, but about the projects in Colombia, the five or six projects upon which they work uh, in Colombia to protect Colombia's most vulnerable children from recruitment, forced recruitment, sexual exploitation, and the like. So very important please check out the website. That's childrenchangecolombia.org. Uh, you can sign up for all sorts of things, newsletter, support them, uh, you know, by direct debit and so on. There are activities they do, such as cooking classes, dancing classes, all of these, of course, virtual in this time. So uh, you can help out and ensure that a number of children from Colombia, you know, benefit from your hard-earned pounds, dollars, euros, and so on. So please help out this NGO. I believe in them 100% in the work they do. But for now, I'll leave you with Emily Hart, who'll be giving us the newscast, and then we'll be back with Angela Maria Carreño talking about Children Change Colombia. Thank you again. Bye-bye. 
I'm Emily Hart, and these are Columbia's top stories for the week of March 8th, 2021. The debate about the aerial fumigation of coca plants, the basis of cocaine, has reignited as the United States has backed the policy, reinforcing the argument of President Ivan Duca's government that aerial spraying of glyphosate onto coca plantations is necessary. The practice was suspended in 2015 for public health reasons after the World Health Organization declared the substance potentially carcinogenic. The government is, however, moving forward with the resumption of spraying, awaiting the opinion of the Environmental Licensing Agency. The Minister of Defence announced that he expects everything to be ready by April. However, seven United Nations rapporteurs rejected the policy in an open letter, which said that spraying would go against the terms of the peace agreement. The witness tampering case against former President Alvaro Uribe continues, though prosecutor Gabriel Jaimez asked the court to revoke the indictment against Uribe and shelve the investigation. Though important, this would only be one step in the process of dismissing the case. It remains to be seen if the judge will approve it. President Duque has proposed centralising the purchase of gold in Colombia to avoid illegality. Gold is one of the major causes of illegal mining, as well as funding illegal groups. He also announced that he will present a bill to Congress to strengthen sanctions against environmental crimes, specifically illegal mining. On the other hand, it is possible that this new proposal will make it more difficult for Colombia's many small-scale artisanal miners to make a living from panning. Colombia's prosecution has placed the governor of the country's largest province, Antioquia, under house arrest on corruption charges. Governor Anibal Gaviria is being investigated over a suspicious budget increase for an upgrade of the Peace Backbone Road. It is the second time he has been placed under house arrest for corruption. The governor approved a 29% budget increase for the contractor Solate Group without any technical justification in what the prosecution called an arbitrary modification. The Solate Group was also implicated in the Odebrecht bribery scandal in 2016. Coronavirus cases continue to fall in Colombia, now down to about 3,500 per day. The country has seen around 2.3 million registered cases overall and 61,000 deaths in a population of 50 million people. 300,000 doses of vaccine have now been administered, but most regions of Colombia are behind in the vaccination plan. This week kicked off with International Women's Day, with marches and protests across Colombia, highlighting the reality that this is not a day for celebration, but to reflect on the chasm of gender equality and how it has broadened even further during the pandemic. In Colombia alone, 630 women were victims of femicide in 2020, while 60% of those who have lost jobs during the health crisis were women. There is still no safe, free and available abortion in Colombia. That was this week's news. Now back to Columbia Calling with Richard McCall. And we're back. This is Columbia Calling, episode 366. And we've got, we're on the line to London in England. And we've got Angela Maria Carreño, who I introduced earlier in the show. She's the executive director of a very small but very, uh, I would say, influential NGO called Children Change Columbia. In fact, in the spirit of complete transparency, I am a trustee. So I believe very strongly in this uh, NGO and what uh, what it does here in Colombia. And, uh, well, there's a chance for us uh, to get Angela on and talk to us a little bit about the NGO and, you know, what it does and, and how perhaps you guys out there, listeners, uh, can help. So, Angela, welcome on the Columbia Calling podcast. Hi, Richard. Thank you very much. And thank you, everyone who is listening. It's a pleasure to be here to have a discussion with you and to tell everyone a little bit more of Children Change Colombia. 
perfect, Angela. Angela, how is the, how are things in the UK at the moment where you are? How are things? Because everything is complicated everywhere. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Well, here we had been in lockdowns in and out for the last year. Mm. Uh, um, the, since the idea is that November will be lockdowns in December, people could be with the families, but at the end that was cancelled and the lockdown was extended. And actually this week, Boris Johnson uh, told to the UK people the next step. So gradually the lockdown will, will reduce until summer, so July. And uh, But it has been complicated and yeah. has affected a lot of people. The, the flights are closed and this uh, quarantine that is imposed and compulsory and people have to pay hot in the hotels to stay close to the airport and things like that has been quite complicated yeah definitely so tell us i mean i know well first of all congratulations are in order because you have a little boy there at home uh three months old congratulations no nothing is ever the same after the yeah. arrival of, uh, of a little thing <laughs> a little person thank you yeah very very pleased i have my my first son who was born three months ago and has been a new challenge a corona baby but but very happy to be a mother. Of course, of course. And, and of course, I know that all my listeners out there will be uh, congratulating you and happy in this news. But uh, so tell us a little bit about yourself. Angela, you are originally from Bogota. Uh, how did you end up and how did you come to be living in, in London, I think, or in the UK and, and being the executive director of Children Change Colombia? Well, um, I was born in Colombia, born and raised. And since I was 21, I started my nomadic life. So I have moved a lot. I have lived in different countries, always come back to Colombia and then go again, come back to Colombia and then go again. But yeah, I had been lucky and I had been had the opportunity to live in, in seven countries. So that gave me like a little bit of, of understanding of what's going on in, in different regions of the world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had been working in development sector all these years, mainly in Asia. So um, uh, I, in, in these travels and this experience living abroad, I met my husband who is British and we continue our nomadic life. We have lived in five countries together. And uh, then we decide, well, let's, let's try again in the UK for him for, to try again. And me was the first time. And we had been here three years and a half. Mm -hmm. um, when we came here, I started working for a charity in, as a, coordinator of projects in Asia and Southeast Asia and South Asia. And um, it was amazing the experience and, and I had the opportunity to live there also a couple of years. But I, I always have this feeling that I would like to be more connected with Latin America and, and mainly Colombia. And I, 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 I knew the, 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 all the difficulties that and all the needs that there are in the country. And when I saw this opportunity, I, I think that that's for me. And, and yeah, it was. So I had been the executive director of Children's in Colombia for one year. Um, we, we are a lot, uh, organization that have a, a tradition in the UK, 30 years. And actually, this is our third anniversary. We were founded in 1991. So, um, so yeah, now I'm here and, and we are celebrating 30 years of a British Colombian organization working exclusively in Colombia. Excellent. And it's perhaps one of the only uh, uh, NGOs of this type working exclusively. There are, there are few ones. There are few, oh. very few ones, but they are. Yeah, yeah, they are. 30 years. That's worth congratulating as well. 30 years. Yeah, we, we are very happy to be here 30 years. 
um, the history of the charity and how it was founded is, is very interesting. And it shows how the media have this power to change things. And everything started when in 1991, uh, BBC went to Colombia and they did a documentary about the children living in the sewers. Mm. Those days in Colombia and the people that grew up in Bogota, as me, you can remember that the stories of the children and the image of the children taking a child out of the sewers. And, um, and uh, the, um, the BBC uh, did a documentary on this subject. And here in the UK, that caused a lot of, a lot of people felt touch. So uh, a group of British people, because it started as a British organization, get together, join it, and create Children Change Colombia. And uh, at the beginning, it was called Children of the Andes, because the main organization in Colombia who was dealing with this was Fundación Niño de los Andes, even though we were never the same organization. Uh, and five years ago, we, we, we changed the name to Children Change Colombia. That showed better what we did. And in these 30 years, we have support 46 organizations. We believe that the best way to have a, a better impact in Colombia and in the regions is to work through local grassroots organizations. So we provide them technical uh, knowledge, training on safeguarding, on finance, on how to apply for international funds um, and work with them for a few years. And then when they're strong enough to continue, they can do it. And that way is the people from the regions that one we're working with, the people that have the trust of the regions. So it's, it's much easier uh, to, to, to implement any project. And, uh, and, and yeah, that has been 30 years doing this. And, and we hope we'll, we'll have many, many, many years more. Wow, that's wonderful. And what I like most and what has always drawn me to uh, Children Change Colombia, and I actually ended up visiting some projects many years ago, uh, 2007, I think, in Cali, in Aguas Blancas, and of course that alerted me to the uh, to, to the charity. But what has always been of of so much interest to me is that it's a small NGO. I, you know, it, everybody knows everybody. There's no, let's say, flood or, or of paperwork in, and, and drowning out the the end goal in this uh, in this NGO. It, the the money and the know how goes to these uh, organizations on the ground here in Colombia. I mean, the office, although I know you're all remote working right now, but the office in, in the UK, how many people? So, yeah, as you mentioned, we're quite a small organization. We have just uh, six staff and four interns. That's how we work. Uh, in Colombia is a third of that. And so we have three people in Colombia and the rest here in the UK. Um, and we we try to 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 send as, as you mentioned the money where it's most not needed. So mm -hmm. we try to. And last year with the home working, we learned that we can save even more from some from expenses. So we closed our office in London and moved to a shared office. Um, in in Bogota, we are also did some cuts of. So we are trying that every most of the cent and is and our accounts public accounts show it. Uh, from every pound, 80 cents go directly to the projects. So that's our goal to to have a better impact and well, one of our challenges to 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 manage the money. And and of course, we we always are very transparent and we are registered with the Charity Commission and in Colombia with Camaré Comercio and all of that. And and all our accounts are public for everyone who wants to see them. 
And and we'll have to get onto the the issue of the pandemic in which we're living right now. But uh, has or in your experience have uh, donations uh, to the charity been affected by the pandemic as as people start to tighten their belt strings and be more uh, careful about their money? Um, we had been lucky. Like I know many, and we know many charities have been uh, affected by the by yeah, their income with the coronavirus and the economic crisis. Uh, we haven't been affected that much. Um, actually, we start exploring new ways of fundraising through through the social media, and that was a good experience. And we have last year um, a different campaigns for COVID nineteen, and we have online actions and we have cooking classes online, dance classes online, and people were were helping, supporting. And just with five pounds, with two pounds, but if you add a lot of people doing it, uh, we, we had been able to, to have a good year. Last year was a good year. Our, our economic difficulties were a few years before when Colombia stopped being a key country for uh, the di- different institutional um, development agencies or or, or funds here in the UK. So for example, comic relief or the lottery, Colombia stopped being a priority for them. So that was the difficult part and where we have this problem, like we need to, to fill that gap. We have to, to decrease the number of projects we are supporting in Colombia. And now our goal is to, to, go, to get to the corporate sector. And, and that's the, that were our challenge now. So if any one of them from the corporate sector wants to support us, Please help us because that moment, yeah. Well, of course, take full advantage, and there's no problem. Tell it, speak it out wide, far and wide, and let's let's get the message out there to the corporate sector beyond. But so, tell us a bit. Let's let's learn about uh, Children Change Colombia, and of course, anyone out there can check out the website. That's childrenchangecolombia.org, and of course, they're on Facebook and Instagram, and you can see the events that they have coming up, and fundraising events and projects. But Tell us, uh, uh, you know, there are six projects currently in Colombia. So I like this. Again, focused projects and some long-term projects. But tell us, uh, I understand that there's a project in Quibdó, so the capital of the department of the Choco. And I'm always interested in, in, in the Pacific area of Colombia because I think it's one of the least reported and least understood regions of Colombia. Various reasons for this and all sorts of problems, all of the, the, the complications that seem to occur in Colombia tend to have their uh, nexus, I think, in the Choco and, and the people and the traditional compu- uh, communities suffer the most. So tell us about the, the project in, is it in Kibdo itself? Yes, yes. We have been working in Kibdo for four years and we are luckily starting um, actually next Monday, the new three-year project with them working on prevention of sexual exploitation of children in Kibdo. We are also working in Chocó, rural Chocó, and north of uh, Valle del Cauca, with Afro-Colombian communities with Acadesan. So we have two projects in, in that area. Um, Inquipdo uh, is with Circulo de Estudios, our partner there, and we are supporting children that live in uh, complicated neighborhoods, but in Inquipdo are many. Uh, many of them come from internal displaced families. Some of them had been victims of sexual abuse and sexual exploitation. Others are at risk. So we work with them to prevent that they 
felt in this sexual commerce and uh, to empower them with the rights. One of the things of Children Change Colombia is that we believe that children can change their own context if they have adults armed around that help them to, to be to empower and to defend their own rights. So we have a lot of advocacy work with the local communities, uh, local authorities. Um, this, this is through a um, methodology where with dance, mainly with music, they, they recognize their rights. And this project uh, had been, um, is, is one of the nicest things like how, how they have created this um, show and uh, the idea is that they will go to Paris to show what's going on and that will be this summer. Really? But it's, it's these contracts of these children that have these new opportunities. It's the first time these children will take flight and take a flight or go abroad or it's, but at the same time, it's, it's quite complicated the situation in, in Choco uh, during during the last few months has had the, 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 the political situation and the, has increased. Uh, unfortunately, we have the, the uh, very sad experience that one of the girls that was in one of our projects, she was in the first pilot when she was 15, um, she was killed and by because she she was uh, involved with one of the leaders of the gangs and in the in Kibdo and he was in jail and when she decided I want though do not want to continue with this relationship uh, he, he he decided to, to to send someone to kill her and this was a 17 years old girl her sister and her siblings were still in the project. So it's it's really complicated situation there. The same when we in the rural Chaco where we work, where it's in the Valley of Rio San Juan. So there are some places that you can only have access after 12 hours in a chalupa, in a boat in the River San Juan. And there is a lot of presence there from the back creams and the LN. So it's, it's quite difficult, but that's one of the things that we feel proud that we are in these remote areas where there is not international cooperation there, whereas the local communities and we try to, and we, and we work with them and support them to develop plans to, to improve the, the, the life of the children in these really remote areas. So, I mean, the, the tragic, tragic, awful news, the 17 year old girl uh, I saw, you know, killed, uh, and I, I assume, I mean, this follows on, is that, that so many of these, these children are victims of gender or sexual violence and, of course, uh, run the high risk of being, you know, youth recruits to the armed gangs. The, the opportunities available for, for young people in Choco, in, in, in Kibdo and stuff is, is relatively limited, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's it's quite complicated, and that's why we want to to support. We we go to these areas, and we have a rigorous um, impact um, studies each year. How are we getting to these children? How many children are we supporting? Uh, we review um, the um, the different rights on on the child and the the forty two different uh, child uh, child rights of the UN Convention, and we check in each one, how many children. So I can tell you today that in, in the last year, we support 4,785 children in total in Colombia. And I can tell you that children from, supporting children from violence, abuse and neglect, 2,119. So it's those kind of things that we, and we are all the time informing all our community and our supporters, donors about how are we impacting the children. 
how many are they and how are we changing their lives so it's it's really difficult situation in some parts of the country and the the fact that we could go there and support them is is something that we are very proud yeah, definitely. And to get into those areas, as you say, a 12-hour motorized canoe journey to get to a community, it's hard to imagine people in this day and age, you know, so so isolated, so distant. And of course, I imagine uh, as well, there's no internet access for schooling or anything of this nature, is there? These places are, uh, I would you know, completely off off the grid. Yes, they are. So it has been challenging last year during the COVID-19 and when the, the schools were closed. So, for example, the project that we have in, in this region that was to prevent ch- children from child labor, mainly in, in, the, in the mining, legal mining and deforestation and the coca crops. So if we, that was parallel with the schools and if the schools were closed, it was difficult to have access. So what we did was to have parallel support. So we sent 105 tablets to, to Choco. So children that were in the middle of nowhere could continue their, their school. I, the, so the, the, the teachers download all the programs or things like that, then go give it to them and they come back. So have like parallel ways to do, but it was really difficult in very, in areas where we're so far away as, as rural Choco. But we also discovered that with the pandemic, we learned new things to work. And for example, the project we have with demobilized children, children that were part of the guerrilla and that now are part of the social system with the Instituto Colombiano Bienestar Familiar were in the project to, to restart the life in foster homes in Colombia. We were able to reach many more because all the money that we were spending in face-to-face activities went on online that it needed less. So we were able to, to go to, to many more children that we were expecting. And also uh, because they were at home, well, they were attending all the classes. They didn't have anything else to do. So that in some ways that increased, uh, improved the, the projects. And we did a lot of online activities and they create Facebook groups and um things like did podcasts and publish online what their thoughts and things they were doing. So in some cases, the pandemic had effect, uh, uh, impacted in a positive way our project. So it, it depends where the children are. Of course. Well, uh, these children who were uh, members of the guerrilla, the FARC or so on, uh, is this a project that's located in one area or is it these are children from all over Colombia? So we had been working on on recruitment in two aspects. First, helping children that were part of the guerrilla to restart life in foster homes and those in Bogota. So children that they come from the regions, but it's not safe for them to stay in the regions or the families they they belong cannot support them or where they don't know where they are. So they are sent to the main cities and we work in in Bogota with Fundacion Cran. Foster homes receive them and they restart their life. And this has been a really uh, powerful project because you can see the testimonies of children. We have a case of a child that was recruited when he was eight years old. So after living half of their life in the jungle, in the guerrilla, restart their life in Bogota and have the, the right to go to education, to think that they have a, a future, they want to, to become a doctor, they want to become a nurse. They want So to, to, to show them that there's another world that, that has been very powerful and really changing life project. 
And, but we have also the project to prevent the recruitment. That one we have had it in Putumayo, we had had it in, in Restrepo and Meta, and at this moment we have them there. We also have in, in we also have with, with recruited children in, in, in Villavicencio, in living mm -hmm. in Villavicencio. So in areas where it's complicated and there are risks, in Suacha we have that, where they are uh, at risk to be recruited by guerrilla or armed groups. We work there to create networks with the local communities, with the schools, with the teachers to prevent that this is happen. So would you say then these, for example, the, the project where it's to prevent recruitment, has have these have been successful? You don't have a a, a high dropout rate of children then, then going into armed groups once they've been through one of these projects? Yeah, we... we we try to go to the regions where are more complicated, of mm -hmm. course. So, for example, in Restrepo, in Putumayo, in Soacha. So, of course, there, the children that are part of the projects, mainly, most of them stay. Some, sometimes they don't. That is not 100% effective. But is there, the, the results are quite positive. Uh, unfortunately, with the lockdown, the recruitment has started. That's one of the things that 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 has impact negatively. The, the lockdown has increased and the report that one of the latest reports said like last year, 222 children were recruited in the country, that there are uh, information about that. Um, the main regions are the Pacific, uh, uh, Meta, where we are working, and Antioquia. So um, it, it's it's hard because it's it's in the... It, the, the recruitment could be in sectors where we are not or so where we are, we are in, having a good impact, but it's it's all around the country. So it's, it's difficult to, to prevent that. You can't it's a very be everywhere. Exactly. Fortunately, <laughs> I'd like to be everywhere, but you can't be anywhere. So this, uh, you know, for example, someone who and you said this, this child who was recruited at eight years old. How does something like that happen? Well, there are different reasons why a child is recruited. Sometimes they are kidnapped. So it's, it was taken. All of them are involuntary because they are children anyway. Sometimes they can be deceived. So tell them like, you can have income in this way. You, you can have better life, whatever. And that happened too. Uh, sometimes there is like this grooming. I think that's the concept where they, the, the, a child or a, lady, a girl, because girls are also recruited, fell in love or they use this sentimental blackmail to take them to the to the to the different to be part of the different armed groups. So there are many different ways. But the, the thing the important to hear all of them they are victims. All of them they are children. They are under eighteen, and they sh should not be in, in, involved in the conflict. Mm. So it's my big hope that the next big uh, case revealed by the Jurisdicción Especial de Paz, the HEP, as they say, is that of child recruitment. And that's my big hope. You know, they've gone through a, a couple of really big stories so far, but my big hope is the next one is that they seem to be choosing, you know, uh, very important and emotive subjects to pursue. And this, this would 
be a really, I would think, a landmark decision if if the HEP, the Jurisdicción Especial de Paz, could could now address this uh, this uh, issue of child recruitment, kidnapping, as you say, as well. They are victims of of the conflict. Uh, as we move on a little bit, and and you know, I know some of the projects. Unfortunately, I haven't visited, and yeah, well, we're in a situation globally that uh, you know travel is is very limited. But I know that there is a project and it's been a long-term project in an area that is is close to my heart because it was something I've, I've studied in depth um, uh, for my for my uh, doctoral thesis and it's in Los Martires and so I would say it's the former industrial center of Bogota that then fell into hard times and, and, and we're in a now a sort of pseudo post-industrial situation down there and Historically, Los Martires has always been the entrance point to Bogota. So, if you're coming up from Onda through, uh, then through, I guess it's Facatativa and then Fontibon, Bogota, it's been the sort of the gateway to Bogota over land. And so, you get a lot of displaced people coming up that way. And, and if, of course, all of sort of, uh, I would say, uh, different economies coming through. Uh, Los Martires, Santa Fe, and all of this area is uh, has been identified by the government, uh, previous governments, and this government for the orange economy and for the creative economy and for a type of gentrification. But you, uh, Children Change Colombia, have had a long-term project in Los Martires. Can you tell us a little bit about this? Yeah, we have been working with Acejota, that is the YMCA in Colombia, and and they. We have a center there. Uh, some, many of our volunteers have visited them because it's in Bogota, so it's easier to visit those those projects than the ones that are far away. Um, and what we work there is improvisation of sexual exploitation. So that area is called um, Zona de Tolerancia, like the red light district. And, and it's quite tough. I, I am from Bogota and, and I live there most of my life. And it's an area that I haven't been there. I haven't been able, I was not be able to go to Colombia since the coronavirus, so I haven't visited Colombia for a while. But but it's, a, it's an area where there are schools there, so we work with four schools there, and outside the schools there are the PIMS offering jobs to the, to the students. So we work to the students so they know how to protect themselves from this, to, to, to not be fetched to this um sexual exploitation networks. And we work with the different businesses in the sector, with local charities, and, um, and, and provide tools to the children to identify the, if, they, if, they, if they are at risk, where to go to, if they, if they, if they see that they are, they are being vulnerable, where to go to report, what to do if, if they had been victims, because that can, or survivors, that can also happen providing psychological support to the children that had been already in this in the system and to the young people that, ha, that are working in the sex trade, other options of life. So we have some livelihood projects also to support them and we work with the families too. And, and nowadays, some of them are Venezuelan families because that area is where they, they some of them have settled. So it's, it's, we have been for for a few years um, has been quite difficult last year to continue with the project because again schools were closed so we have to work online and created these new networks and uh, most of the 
families of these children were informal workers. So we also start supporting them with the campaign we have last year for COVID-19, Help Colombia COVID-19, helping them to, some of them were, were threatened to be evicted of these inquilinatos or pagadiarios in the middle of the lockdown. So how to help them to continue living there or to support them with food, uh, with toiletries and different things. So. So yeah, but we had been in, in that area for many years and that's one of the part of the project that we are starting next week also for three years is with the two partners with Circulo Studios in Quibdo and Cartagena. We're starting also in Cartagena to prevent sex tourism and, um, and in Bogota. It's, it's uh, I mean, such a, a huge issue, this of sex tourism and in Cartagena, of course, is, is, is known for it. But if we focus on Bogota for this moment, and there were times when I was doing my investigations and I'd leave in my car maybe around five, six, so a little bit later in the day, and I'd go down the Calle Trece, which is one of the point where I was doing most of my studies, so not too far from the old Bronx, where obviously the images of this will be very familiar to the listeners of this podcast, and then I would turn north and, and cross uh, cross a bit of the Los Martires to get to the Calle Dicinueve, and that's where you would see children. You would see the children on the streets. And I wonder, you know, that you've been working with the families, how often do you find that the parents or family members themselves are involved in sending their children out, let's say, to make some money. Because in terms of Venezuelan uh, migrants to, to Bogota, the situation is, is miserable. Yeah, unfortunately, sometimes are the family the one who push them to the sex tourism. Some of them are children of sex workers with the, the children we work with. So this is a difficult change. So that's why we work with adults too. Because if you're a child, you you don't. It's, it's much more difficult that you understand what is what is okay and what is not. And also, well, you, you are vulnerable. You you don't have income. If you, but that's why we work with their parents. We work with schools. We work with the local businesses. So to have red alerts if there is a child, how to prevent that, um, and and. It has been a project for many years. The community knows um, Asejota. There is a center there where they can go. They have uh, music classes. They have dance classes. They, they, they learn to, to love themselves, to improve their, their self-esteem. And, and has been a, a really... And, and they feel there is someone there to support them. There is a space there where they, they feel protected. And, and it's important they know how to, to protect themselves and to know that but not everyone has good intentions and where do she go to, to, to denounce what is going on? And, and, and yeah, it's, well, I think, it's, it's a know. rough world. And also now we're teaching them with the online how to prevent themselves because online is now is a new way that they fetch children to this kind of, of business. So how to protect themselves also through, through the social media. It's, it's, it's just such admirable work with, you know, obviously positive results and, so important to continue the work and create long-term projects because of course you know this is you're not going to solve anything from tonight to tomorrow it's it's, it's this, this takes time and generations and of course long-term projects are so uh, are so important and of, that's where therein lies the importance of the funding and the you know the, the people continue to give donations and i i want you to uh, uh please Angela, uh, 
tell the listeners how people can help and what sort of um, activities Children Change Colombia do to ensure that uh, you know people remain interested in helping the most uh, vulnerable in Colombia? Well, there are many ways to support us and everyone can do it. Um, being our followers in the social media, it's a very simple thing for everyone and that helps us to spread awareness to advocacy. Um, you can also uh, help us, to, you can have a direct debit and support us with five pounds, with three pounds. You can donate us in Colombia or in the UK in any of our accounts. If you are a corporate, you have an organization, could be a small organization and you can just support with, with small amounts, but we are also happy to, to receive support from corporate. If you are a volunteer, you have any skill, you said, you know, I am really good at finance. Can I support you? I give you some of my time. That's also very welcome. So, um, so, if you have an idea, just contact us and, and we are very happy to receive hands to support us or initiatives if you want to fundraise. There's a way that your birthday, you prefer to receive funds for Children Change Colombia on Facebook instead of receiving presents. Um, we have a lot of activities and nowadays online. So, for example, tomorrow for the Mother's Day in the UK that is coming next Sunday, we're going to have a online cooking class and we're going to prepare a sticky toffee pudding. So if you want to know that you are on time to sign up and just for five pounds, you, you can have this class or give this to your mother. But we have a lot of activities. We have recently the Carnaval de Barranquilla and we were dancing online and we have Fernando Montaño that is our patron. He's a dancer from the Royal Ballet that came from Buenaventura. So it's like very, very, look a lot, represent what who we are and what we do. And was teaching all of us to dance cumbia. So there are many ways to support us. If you just show your interest, sign up to our newsletter and you can find our issues and know, know more about us. And of course, I, there's a thing on Amazon, isn't there, that you can you can uh, sign Yeah, up. that's another option. That's true. So you can, in Amazon Smile, you can select the charity you want to support and you can choose us and, and that gives us also some, some money. So... Oh. There's no excuse. There is no excuse. There's exactly. no excuse. I mean, you know, when you're making all of your online purchases on Amazon, you can offset some of it uh, to charities and, of course, uh, ensure that uh, charity like Children Change Colombia remains, you know, uh, economically viable to ensure helping, as I've said before, the Colombia's most vulnerable people. And, of course, those are the, those are the children. And in this discussion, I mean, we've discussed so much uh, children at risk from recruitment by armed gangs, children at risk from recruitment by uh, the guerrilla groups, children who've, who've got out of these uh, conflict zones, children that have been displaced, uh, children at risk of, of, of sexual exploitation. I mean, this is just too much. Unfortunately, there's just too much. But I, I'd like to take this moment to say to Angela Maria Carreño, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day to explain to us and the listeners and to share some of the concerns here in Colombia. But also there, you know, there's upbeat news in there too about how many children have been directly helped, how many children have been lifted from these issues, uh, obviously strafing various parts of Colombia and well I, I hope that we can inspire some of you out there to 
to throw a, a few pounds of your hard-earned money or a few dollars or, or pesos of your hard-earned money uh, to a, a small NGO that can confirm and can assure you that the money goes to the projects on the ground here in Colombia. So, Angela Maria, thank you so much for your time. Richard, thank you very much for inviting us and thank you very much to the listeners for uh, your time. Oh, sorry. This has been episode 366 of the Columbia Calling podcast. We've been talking to the executive director of Children Change Colombia, uh, Angela Maria Carreño, who's, who's very graciously agreed to talk to us today. Again, in complete transparency, I am a trustee of Children Change Colombia. I believe very strongly in this uh, small charity. See if you can sign on uh, for the newsletter. You'll just find all the links on childrenchangecolombia.org. Of course, they're on Facebook and Instagram. You can find it everywhere. Just put it into Google and see how you can help or be inspired to, let's say, spread the word to others about uh, Colombia and uh, Colombia's children. So thank you so much for listening this week. We'll be back next week. Uh, we'll, we've got Sabrina Prioli, who is a humanitarian coach, uh, life coach, who was actually on episode 23 of the Colombia Calling podcast way back in December 2013. She's now in Zambia. And so we will be talking to her in Zambia in what might be a first of phone calls between Colombia and Zambia. So anyway, be sure to stay tuned into that one. And thank you again for listening. And thank you again for hearing out Children Change Colombia. So remember to check that out, childrenchangecolombia.org. Thank you and goodbye. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.